In a world where a man loves movies and loves lists and keeps a list of his 100 favorite movies for over 30 years, what if he made his wife watch those movies in order? And what if he made her talk about it on a podcast? Would she like them? Would she hate them? Can this marriage possibly survive this podcast? Find out what will happen in a world called Craig's List. Carla, you can start by wiping that fucking dumbass smile off your rosy fucking cheeks. And you can help me record a fucking podcast about fucking Thanksgiving movies. Not fucking Halloween, not fucking Christmas, fucking Thanksgiving. We're going to talk about fucking traffic, fucking turkey, fucking relatives. <laughs> and then we're going to go back to watching movies from my fucking list, Craig's fucking list of my 100 favorite fucking movies about the greatest fucking movies of all time. I want to watch a fucking Craigslist movie right fucking now. Did you really just say we were going to fuck turkeys and fuck relatives? <laughs> <laughs> if so, you're fucked. Oh, Carla! <laughs> <laughs> I didn't tell you what we were doing, but I thought you might get your line right. <laughs> Uh, no, I was using the F word as a modifier, of course, as Anytime a gerund adjective. You can use the F word is cool with me. <laughs> Craig's listeners, I'm not really mad at Carla. Uh, that was a bit. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving, Carla. Happy Thanksgiving, Craig Kakowski. It's technically the day after Thanksgiving, but the whole weekend counts, right? Sure do. As the Thanksgiving holiday season. Who is going to listen to our podcast on Thanksgiving anyways? Not me. <laughs> That's right. So we are going to talk about three Thanksgiving movies, which we've watched over the last couple of weeks. Uh, everybody's in a uh, tryptophan coma right now. Uh, and you're, you're looking for a podcast to listen to. And so we're dropping a secret one this weekend, Thanksgiving weekend. Hi, everyone. Drop it like it's hot. We're dropping it like it's hot. Um, Hopefully nobody was too scandalized by that opening. It was kind of weird hearing you say the F word that much. Like it's weird hearing Steve Martin say fuck that many times, right? Yeah. I always put an explicit language warning on our podcast. Oh, you do? By the way. I do. Because we're known to drop an F-bomb or two. Is that what we're known for? It's not out of the realm of possibility that we might. I usually say it. You don't say it that much. It's usually Carla, and it's usually in, in her quotes somewhere. Uh, but if I ruined a, a family listening to uh, to Craigslist podcast moment, then uh, then I apologize, and I'll put out a cleaner version of it. But probably many families over the years have been surprised by that scene in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Yeah. That I just alluded to. I remember my family laughing so hard at that scene. <laughs> I even remember my best friend when I was a kid, her family, her parents laughing really hard at that scene. Now, there must be an alternate version for television, right, that they shot? Oh, yeah. I don't know. How would that work? Well, you'd, such a you'd either scene. bleep it out, which would seem Weird. beside the point, or you'd just shoot an alternate version with right. Steve Martin and Edie McClurg. But what would she say? You're screwed. She might say that. She might say that on television. 
You can't say that on television. You can't? <laughs> is, that, is that a TV show? Carla, uh, it's it's the day after Thanksgiving. How was your Thanksgiving? It was lovely. It was quiet. We just hung out by ourselves. We ate some tam o'shanter turkey. Tam o'shanter is a, a long-standing Los Angeles institution uh, steakhouse. They're they're the original Lawry's prime rib, and they were doing Thanksgiving platters. So we just picked up from there, and Take we social out. distanced. Uh, yeah, stayed away from people. Stayed away from people. Watched the Thanksgiving Macy Day Parade. That was socially distanced. That was also weird. <laughs> uh, what else did we do? I mean, I drank a bottle of wine for sure and fell asleep early. Yes, you did. You didn't need the tryptophan. I did not. <laughs> you used wine. I took it like a two-hour nap in the middle of the day you did. as well. Well, we did a lot of Zooms with family, and that's lovely but exhausting. Exhausting in its own way, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh so the Thanksgiving movie is not really a, a staple, is it? In the way that the Christmas movie is. Um, it's not. It, we did struggle to find movies that we felt were good for this. <laughs> there are plenty of movies that have Thanksgiving scenes. Like Hannah and Her Sisters, memorably, is set amongst three different Thanksgivings over the course of the movie. Yeah. There's plenty of movies with Thanksgiving scenes, but movies that are entirely centered around the holiday are kind of few and far between. Yeah. And I think the two that probably most come to mind for American viewers we covered today. I think As so. well as one that's a little bit of a deeper cut. Yeah. It was hard to... We, we really did do our research. There were a few others that we could have done. Like, um, what's the one with Katie Holmes where she's making Thanksgiving... Pieces of April? So maybe we'll do that next year. Okay. <laughs> Is this going to be a yearly tradition? I don't know. <laughs> It's just interesting. I guess it's the idea that there is a holiday season, which kind of loosely also encapsulates Thanksgiving. Right. Uh, but I, I think Christmas is just a little more associated with capitalism. Yeah. Right? And also Jesus, of course. Uh, but it feels like the, the holiday movie, the Christmas movie, is kind of tied into that whole December-long burst of... Trying to get people to shell out their bucks. Oh, yeah, that too. We also thought about watching um, documentaries about the Native American experience, (laughs) which maybe we'll do for real sometime. I just didn't – we wanted to do Home for the Holidays for sure, and it didn't feel appropriate (laughs) to pair it with a documentary about a more serious subject. But I don't know. I think that might be interesting. Craig's listeners, if you've got your favorite Thanksgiving cut – uh, please let us know what it is or documentaries we can watch on Native Americans. Yeah, that would be fun, I think. Yeah. And educational. But the three movies that we've chosen for today are 1995's Home for the Holidays, directed by Jodie Foster, starring Holly Hunter. Uh, 2013, I think, Cresha. Yeah. Uh, directed uh, and starring Trey Edward Schultz. And a uh, beloved family classic, fucking classic, 1987's uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, written and directed by John Hughes with, of course, Steve Martin and John Candy. Yeah. So I feel like the first movie kind of covers the the experience of the Thanksgiving dinner with family. Yes. Uh, in a comedic take. 
The second movie also kind of covers the intensity of a Thanksgiving experience with family in a dramatic way. Mm-hmm. And then the third movie do- doesn't really get to the Thanksgiving dinner. That's kind of after the credits, right? But it covers travel, which is a huge part for Americans on the Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah. And also, I think, the idea of hospitality. So it took it him – okay, we'll talk about this when we get there. Sorry. <clears throat> I was jumping the gun. Uh, it's the third movie we're covering, Carla, so please, please wait. <laughs> Any theories on why there are not more Thanksgiving movies? No. I really I – guess, I guess you're right. Like there's not a Thanksgiving season necessarily. It's a few days. Yeah. It's not like we, we're gearing I, – I suppose we are, but not in the way of Christmas where we decorate early, we're shopping all month or, yeah. or whatever. The mood for Thanksgiving, I guess, starts around Tuesday. Right. Yeah. No, you're totally right. So it's short-lived. So there's just a smaller window of time that they can sell the movie. Mm-hmm. And then also, it's a uniquely American holiday. Although, yes, there is a Canadian Thanksgiving as well, but it's in October. Right. Uh, and so maybe it doesn't translate overseas. And so that's another reason that people are reluctant to do it. But in terms of, like, storytelling... I mean, a tense situation with family, like I said, is ripe for both comedy and drama, I think. Oh, there was the Ike Barinholtz one that we thought about doing. Yes. Uh, I had completely forgotten that my friend Ike Barinholtz had written and directed a movie set at Thanksgiving, and we should get around to that. Yeah, we'll do that next year, too. Ike, of course, I've seen it. I know you're listening. (laughs) (laughs) Tiffany Haddish is in that one, right? Tiffany Haddish is in it, yes. And John Barinholtz as well. Cool. Ike's real life brother. So yeah, we, we should, we should get to that. <laughs> um, well, let's, let's kick it off with Home for the Holidays then. Great. And we'll go chronologically through the movie with a segment that we like to call Carla's Quotes. She's feeling her oats and Craig's taking notes. Whatever they are, it's Carla's Quotes. I would guess the Carla's Quotes are few and far between for all of these. Well, I guess we'll find out. This we watched a couple weeks ago. I think we were yeah. so excited after our Craigslist <laughs> spooky times month of horror that we were just raring to go. Carla really wanted to do some more Thanksgiving movies, and I think it was only a couple days. Yeah. After uh, Halloween, that we watched Home for the Holidays. Did like it help put you? A week you in, after, maybe. Maybe a week after. Um, so I don't really remember whether you said anything or not. <laughs> Uh, but this movie came out in 1995. Did you see it when it was released? I did. I saw it in the movie theater with my friend Angie, um, who was on the podcast for the Before Sunrise Yes, the Before Trilogy. trilogy. Um, and I remember liking it, but not loving it. And I have since watched it maybe twice, probably like in my 20s. And then I watched it last year. So I watched it very recently. I mean, if you're looking for a comfort comedy uh, in the Thanksgiving season, this is pretty much your option. This and Planes, Trains, and Unmobiles. And there's a lot of nostalgia stuff going on in that movie for me, mostly because of the cast. With Claire Danes and Robert Downey Jr., like they were such big... It's stars. a quintessentially 90s cast, yeah. right? It's so funny that Robert Downey Jr. is like a huge star now, too, but that's more for like the superhero stuff, right? Yes. But at the time, he was like 
a rom-com guy or like an independent film guy? He was coming. This was a couple of years after his Oscar nomination for Chaplin. Uh, yeah. I mean, he, he was a, a pretty big deal. Um, this was Jodie Foster's second movie that she directed after Little Man Tate. Which I love. We should rewatch that. I have not seen that in years and I remember really liking it. Yeah, me too. And Jodie Foster certainly was a big deal at the time too. You yes. know, she had just won her second Oscar a couple of years, uh, before. But this movie has a great cast. It's Holly Hunter, Robert Downey Jr., as you said. The parents are Anne Bancroft and Charles Durning, uh, Dylan McDermott, Geraldine Chaplin, Steve Gutenberg. And Claire Danes. Oh, right. And Steve Gutenberg, who I love. Well, you're a big, big fan of the Goot. I love the Goot. <laughs> if there's a movie and the Goot's in it, I'm all about it. <laughs> we just watched the Ted Danson reunion show that Mark Evan Jackson put together for charity. And the reason I watched it was because of Steve Gutenberg. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was a three men and a baby reunion. Which I love. With Ted Danson and Steve Gutenberg with varying degrees of comfort uh, with the Zoom technology. Yeah. Uh, but it was very sweet and, and very cute. The Police Academy movies are some of my favorite movies. Formative for you? Very formative. I really did think I was going to be a cop when I was a kid because of the Police Academy movies. Surprised you didn't like Diner more, being such a big Steve Gutenberg fan. <laughs> He's not... He's not like himself in that movie. He's not fully the goot yet. No, in Cocoon, he's so great in Cocoon. Sure, uh, but he's really good in this movie. Is he in Short Circuit too. too. I've never seen Short Circuit. I think he might be. It's been years. I've also never seen Three Men and a Baby. By the way, what? We have to, and then uh, we have to watch Three Men and a Little no, Lady. No, no. <laughs> no, no, no. It's so good. I mean, it's s- silly, but it's eighties good. Well, we're doing these themed episodes now, so is there a theme we can tie it into? Thanksgiving. <laughs> ghosts, I guess. Ghosts. Are, uh... <laughs> anyway, this we're just sidetracked by merely me mentioning Steve Gutenberg's <laughs> relatively small presence in Home for the Holidays, uh, but uh, but Carla loves the guy uh but yeah, yeah the, he's in short circuit i just looked it up <laughs> great and ali sheedy oh and austin pendleton and fisher stevens we got to see that too. austin pendleton is in this movie too crazy by the way a lot of reunions in this movie yes of various actors do you know what some of them are reunions reunions of actors who had memorably worked together before um nope <clears throat> well Anne Bancroft and Charles Durning had uh, co-starred in Mel Brooks's To Be or Not To Be, Mm. the remake of the Jack Benny classic. And Charles Durning and Austin Pendleton, who don't have a scene together, unfortunately, in Home for the Holidays, were memorably Doc Hopper and Max, the villains of the Muppet movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then Geraldine Chaplin plays Robert Downey Jr.'s Aunt, yes, aunt in this movie, and she played her own grandmother, Charlie Chaplin's mother in Chaplin. Ah, so it's a little uh, little Chaplin reunion there. High Spirits is another movie that Steve Gutenberg's in from the eighties that I really love. I have no idea what that is. You don't? Oh, it's so good. Is that another ghost comedy? Yes, Peter O'Toole's in it. Daryl Hannah, and um, what's her face from Christmas Vacation? What's her name? Beverly D'Angelo. Okay. Uh, great. Maybe next year for uh, for Spooky Times we'll get around to High Spirits. I did put that on the list actually this year. Okay. I just didn't get to it. Uh, so, Am I but throwing I th- you off your game. 
<laughs> if you want to throw me off my game, just throw Steve Gutenberg movies that I have no idea what they are at me. Uh, so, home for the holidays. Uh, what? How does it hold up for you? Um, it's still really sweet. Yeah. Gosh, what is? Um, how does it hold up for me? Parts of it are funny. Parts of it are sweet. It definitely reminds me of family gatherings. Um, there's a nostalgia for the '90s. Um, but something about it doesn't work for me overall, <clears throat> and it never has. I don't know why. I guess I should really think about this. <laughs> well, it's a it's a little bit of a mixed bag. I think the things that it gets right, it really gets mm. right, and the the highlights are really great in it. And I think especially it covers the awkwardness of being an adult going home to your childhood home and hanging out with your parents for yeah. a week uh, and all of that weirdness and kind of the rivalries between siblings. So I feel like all the family stuff, it gets really right. And just the, the big set piece of the big Thanksgiving dinner uh, with the, the turkey getting uh, thrown on the, the bitchy sister, yeah. Cynthia Stevenson. Uh, is, is a really great set piece as well. I think I know what it is. It's the romantic comedy stuff in it that doesn't work. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> so, so. Did I hijack that from you? I, I was, I was getting there, but, but <laughs> let's, let's go through the movie a bit and maybe we'll be able to pinpoint the things that work for us and, and don't. With Carla's quotes? With a segment that we like to call <laughs> Carla's quotes. We're not playing the theme song again. <laughs> This is a really good role for Holly Hunter, by the way. Well, especially at the time because she was playing such weirdos. Yeah, and like, yeah. <laughs> well, the piano. She's coming off of the piano, right? Right. I think she's had a pretty diverse range of roles throughout her career. I mean, she really has pretty great range. I mean, when you think of Raising Arizona, Broadcast News, Piano. I also wasn't a fan of Holly Hunter until I was an adult. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't understand kind of the same way. I felt the same way about Helen Hunt. <laughs> like, in the 90s, I felt like both of them had a really strong career. And I was always kind of like, just like, meh. But then, as an adult, I... I think I didn't see broadcast news until I was in my 20s. Right. I mean, that's the big one for her, yeah. I think. And then I was like, oh, I get it. But this might be like the most grounded character that she's played. Yeah. I think. Up until then, at least. Yeah. And she's kind of just kind of reacting to the craziness around her. I mean, she's dysfunctional in her own way, I guess. But she's uh, she restores paintings, maybe, at the Art Institute in Chicago. I think the idea is that she was an artist and she was kind of considered a genius in the family, like an artistic genius. And even at school, maybe, like the most likely to succeed or whatever, right? Yeah. And then she moves to the big city and has a baby with her high school sweetheart. Is my guess. And then now she's like restoring paintings yeah. instead of being in a full creative on her own. Yeah. She's got a teenage daughter played by Claire Danes, uh, which I wished had been developed more. Like, like why like use Claire, Claire Danes, Danes and not yeah. have her in the movie a little more? Like you actually never see the boyfriend that she's supposed to be having sex with, right? Yeah, you do. But he doesn't have any dialogue. They don't have any interactions No, he's anything, just like right? pinching her. Yeah. <laughs> 
this movie is based on a short story, by the way. And so I'm wondering if some of the flaws are just kind of holdovers from the story itself that they ah. felt they had to, to stick to. So she lives in Chicago. She flies home to Baltimore. Uh, for Thanksgiving dinner, her parents are played by Anne Bancroft and Charles Durning, and they are wonderful. I just wanted more yeah. of them in this movie. The scenes where they are, um, <laughs> like making their kids feel guilty about different things is so real. Um, and in, in its kind of passive aggressive way. It's very grounded. It's not like cartoonishly. Yeah. Uh, Passive aggressive parents. I mean, it's, it's, it's written really well and played really well, I think. I'm specifically thinking of that scene with Robert Downey Jr. where she, the mother says, you never wanted us near, you never wanted us close or whatever. Like all that whole scene is so short, but it says so much about their relationship and kind of how both sides have these long held grudges. Yeah. But we don't really know specifically what the grudges are, which I really, I like that a lot. I feel like that's very true to how I deal with my parents as well. It's like small comments or whatever. You don't resolve anything. You just soak in it while while you're there, you know? And, uh, so it's good that like some of that is left ambiguous maybe. Yeah. And then Robert Downey Jr. is kind of the, the black sheep, the, the gay brother, uh, and then Cynthia Stevenson is the more conservative sister. She was in everything in the 90s, it felt like, and you don't see her that much anymore. The only other thing I know her from is happiness, I think, right? Yeah, she's in happiness. She's in shortcuts. Or no, she's in The Player. Um, she was working – she was on a sitcom as well in okay. the uh, in the 90s. So the opening, Holly Hunter is like rocking out on her headphones to a weird cover version of Santana's Evil Ways. Yeah. And she's working on this painting and Carla said, not sure what this opening has to do with anything. Yeah. And then she gets hit on by her much older boss played by Austin Pendleton. Uh, Does she get hit on or does she just out of the blue start kissing him? Well, that's right. She kind of leads it, right? Yeah. Yeah. They start making out. Carla said, this is such a weird scene. It's such a strange, I know, I understand, like, from a scripting point of view, why they needed to do that. They wanted to show that this woman is messy right away, right? Yes. But the way that they're talking to each other in the scene is really creepy and weird. And it didn't really register as flirtation to me. Right. Now we'd say that there's a, you know, an imbalanced power dynamic. Yeah. In that, right? Except she kind of attacks him yeah. with her mouth. <laughs> well, Carla said, this is how I often feel in many of Holly Hunter's scenes. This is weird. And I said, but you like this movie. You said, I know. I like Holly Hunter, too. <laughs> but there is, I mean, that's probably what makes her such an interesting, unique actress is that she makes strange choices. Yeah. You know, or or off the beaten path, uh, surprising choices. And sometimes it doesn't work Yeah, for me. Oh, another role of hers that I really like is in Jesus's son at the end. When oh, she's yeah. like, she's an amputee and she becomes, uh, Billy Crudup's girlfriend at the very end of that movie. That's right. Yeah. Uh, this must have be, was must this be. Somebody, this must have be. This the must have be. <laughs> Thanks for giving a movie. Uh, Carla said my grandmother had that coat. Was that a coat that the Holly Hunter's wearing? Yeah. Or? The, the puffy pink one. Or is it purple? I can't remember. Puffy pink, I think. Yeah. So that, that detail feels. Yeah. On point. 
The other stuff that really works well is like her like driving around, like running into people from high school. Totally. That used to happen to me all the time when I would go home. Not anymore. (laughs) I don't know if they're all alive still. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, I used that used to happen all the time when in my twenties, around like the holidays. Yeah. And it was always awkward. One time. Oh, I'm not going to say it. Never mind. One time I ran into this girl from high school and she just like went out of her way to make me feel bad about living in LA. Oh no. (laughs) It was so weird. And she was buying like a shirt for her husband at, I forget which store it was. I feel like I'm having a traumatic. (laughs) Do we need to pause? PTSD experience. She was just like asking me so many questions about what I was doing. And then she'd be like, Oh, really? Oh, that sounds, that sounds tough. Why, why are you still doing that? Oh, God. And I was only like 26 or 27. I wonder what she'd say now that I'm 40 and I'm still here. Do you think she listens to the podcast? I should send it to her. I think we're Facebook friends. Okay. Anyway, this movie captures that <laughs> stuff really well, right? It does. Although that does feel – that's John Ritter's wife, right? Oh, yeah. What, what's her face? Yeah. Amy Yazbek. Yeah. I, is really, the, I really do like her as an actress, but it doesn't really match her – God, I'm really just being <clears throat> nitpicky here. Well, you feel like tone is inconsistent throughout this movie probably. Yeah. It feels a little more cartoonish. Yeah. Like and she's like super fancy and I don't know. Sure. And how specific uh, – Baltimore is just one of those cities with a very specific vibe, yeah. I think. And how specific it is to Baltimore, I don't know. Yeah, the Robert Downey Jr. stuff does not work great for me. Though I like the relationship that he and Holly Hunter have, but mm-hmm. I don't, I'm don't. i not a big fan of Robert Downey Jr., oh. to be honest with you. Burn. And I think I, I think he's my least favorite part of the Marvel movies oh, as well. Wow. I think he just has kind of a certain riffy vibe that he's allowed to do. He's like a smug kind of sarcasm or something. And hey, I'm an improviser, you know. I I encourage <laughs> improvisation, yeah. but I, I feel like he's got a, a very loose leash. With most directors, and he's allowed to do whatever he wants, and mm. uh, I, I found it more distracting, and also just kind of like a, a distractingly 1995 take on a gay character as, as well. Oh, this is so interesting because I had the exact opposite reaction. Really? We should have had a gay person on to talk about this with us to see how it tracks for them, you know? Because um, I feel weird saying like. It it is an accurate portrayal because you know whatever. But to me, it feels realistic and recognizable for for some of the gay friends that we have. I I'm not it, saying his performance feels like he's not a real person. Oh, I see. It didn't feel like over the top or, or too like um, cartoonish to me. I'm saying that the use of gayness as a plot device in this feels like very like 1995. I see. Uh, no, I feel like he feels like a real person. Yeah. Definitely. 
And I just think it's the whole subplot with Dylan McDermott. Dylan McDermott shows up with Robert Downey Jr. We assume that they're in a relationship together, but it turns out that he's not gay. Dylan McDermott, he yeah. just has a crush on Holly Hunter from seeing a picture of her yeah. or hearing about her from her brother and Robert Downey Jr.'s longtime boyfriend, uh, that they got married. And, but then he, we don't, see him other than like one phone call or whatever. It just feels like a very contrived plot device. Mm. Uh, and Dylan McDermott, uh, he's perfectly fine mm-hmm. actor, but I don't feel like there's a lot of chemistry between him and Holly Hunter. Uh, he feels more menacing than sweet. Oh, interesting. <laughs> you know, and there's more chemistry between Holly Hunter and David Strathairn in his one like brief scene. Uh, and you really, possibly just because it's David Strathairn, like you, you want him to come back in this movie. It's really weird that he's only got like a two minute scene where I he's great. Totally agree with you. I think like lose the Dylan McDermott storyline and just if, if it's important to the story for her to have some sort of romance, then David Strathairn is absolutely the way to go. But it almost seems like you're supposed to think he's, goofy or it's weird like but he's not he's like pretty normal (laughs) (laughs) he like comes over to fix the fridge or or something on thanksgiving yes and it's really nice (laughs) but but you're right in the the context of the movie he is supposed to read as pathetic well robert downey jr is like in the next room making fun of him and you're just like i don't understand why yeah why not cast an actor with less dignity then yeah yeah i'm on the same page it feels like for once. It feels like the McDermott uh, plot is shoehorned in because you're supposed to have it's supposed to be a rom com and you're supposed to have a romantic interest in the movie. Yeah, and it feels like it gets it sidetracked from all the things that are working so great, which is a family and dynamic. It, yeah, why does she have to fall in love with somebody? Right, she doesn't. Uh, Damn it. Here's Carla on Anne Bancroft. She has a better body than I do. You know it's true. That's why you're not laughing. <laughs> <laughs> She's probably in her late 60s, early 70s there, maybe, and is super fit. Super hot. Um, <laughs> I think this might be a Robert Downey Jr. line, but he says, or, or maybe a Holly Hunter, but somebody says, how's anyone? It's the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? How's anyone? It's the 90s. We were like, what does that mean? Carla said, if you only knew what 2020 would be. That's <laughs> so true. When she runs into the high school friends, Carla said, this is my nightmare. I think you explained that already. <laughs> Geraldine Chaplin in this movie plays uh, the like eccentric aunt who yeah. maybe is supposed to have dementia. Geraldine Chaplin was 51 when she did this movie. Are you kidding me? No. She seems like she's 70 or 75. Yeah. She was 51? Yes. That's how old you are. Exactly. <laughs> These are the roles I need to be playing. So, But she wasn't supposed to be playing someone in their 50s. No, I th- I think we're sp- she's supposed to read as much older than Which that. Which she does. I think. I think she does. So it works. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Great. Great. <laughs> Good enough. Settled. <laughs> when Strathairn shows up, Carla said, this is so sad. Yeah. Steve Gutenberg back in Baltimore, baby, where he was in baby. diner. <laughs> um, 
But the serving the food, I think, is the best scene. Uh, when the sister freaks out, when the turkey falls in her, Carla said, I think that's me at family gatherings. I mean, I'd like to be Holly Hunter, but I think my family thinks I'm this lady. <laughs> <laughs> the one who's like telling them what to do the whole time. Yes. I do think my family thinks that's who I am. <laughs> Especially on our text threads when I'm telling them how to behave during Corona times. <laughs> sure. Not everyone's social distancing. Well. We'll cover that off, Mike. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think Dylan McDermott says as a come on to Holly Hunter, give me the time of day. And Carla said, Hachi, Chachi. <laughs> Here's Carla on decor. This unfinished basement is such a 90s thing. Or maybe it's just a family thing. Yeah, that really, when she goes to visit her sister and her sister's on the, um, right. It's not a treadmill, is it? Or is it a treadmill? Uh, or Stairmaster? Yeah, Stairmaster, I think. In the basement. All of, like, my family basement was like that. All of my friends' family basements were like that. We would go to friends' houses to watch TV and you'd go down and, like, the dad was still redoing the basement. <laughs> like, that's just such a, uh, a classic the unfinished basement high school memory of mine yeah in every single house <laughs> and then there's a airport scene at the end right yeah. uh and is this Dylan McDermott says they won't let me on the jetway I don't know um but Carlos uh, I mean it's just like a security issue right right they won't let me on the jetway Carlos said 2020 would blow your fucking minds it's so much worse <laughs> And you're oh, right that you curse a lot in your quotes. Charles Durning said he... That's right. He couldn't, yeah, yeah. walk her out or something. Uh, but the but the note that it ends on is really sweet, particularly with the Charles Durning yeah. relationship, with his association with uh, watching the planes yes. fly, mm -hmm. right? And we cut to the old home movies mm -hmm. of them. And that's why you just, you just want more... Charles Durning in this movie. And I feel like we, we almost lose Anne Bancroft for like the last half of the movie. Yeah. But she does have that great scene in the pantry with Holly Hunter that Robert Downey Jr. comes into. Yeah. She has, she has a lot of good moments. So it's a mixed bag, but it's totally worth it. It's, it's worth it. Yeah. And it is worth seeing every Thanksgiving, I think. Also, doesn't she pick food out of Dylan McDermott's teeth? I purposely left the room for that part. That's in that this movie, right? Uh, I don't recall, but... Am I making that up? I don't know. Tell us, Twitter. Okay, Twitter. Because <laughs> I left know. when they were making out, because after they were eating together, because I kind of remembered that, and that makes me want to puke. <laughs> so the next movie we covered is... Let's end on that note for Home for the Holidays. <laughs> <laughs> we were so close to getting out <laughs> <laughs> on a nice note <laughs> on a nice note and Carla had to bring up picking food out of the teeth I would never do that to you I'd vomit on your face first <laughs> so the next movie we covered is called Cresha yep it looks like Krisha, but it's clearly pronounced uh, multiple times in the movie Krisha. I would say Krisha. You would say Krisha, and I have said Krisha, but the movie is called <laughs> Krisha. And this movie is a 2015 release. It's written and directed by a, a young, talented director named Trey Edward Schultz. Uh, he's made a couple of other movies that have maybe gotten a little more uh, acclaim and response called 
waves and uh, it comes at night. He's worked with uh, one of the best young actors uh, who I'm reminding myself of his name. Kelvin Harrison Jr. is uh, a really up and coming young actor. He's in both of those two movies. Uh, I highly recommend all of them, actually. Who and is he? What else has he been in, Kelvin? He's in that movie Loose with um, Tim Roth and Naomi Watts play his parents huh. in that and he's like a high achieving African American teenage student who might be a sociopath. Oh. It's that's another really interesting movie. Anyway, I recommend anything that Kelvin Harrison Jr. is in because okay. he's fantastic. Uh, but this was the first movie that Trey Edward Schultz did that got some film festival acclaim, and it's made with mostly his friends and family. And the lead character, the titular character is played by Cresha Fairchild, who is his aunt mm. in real life. And I think this movie got a Independent Spirit Award for films under a certain budget. Mm. Like they do an award each year for like under 100000 or, or something like that. Anyway, it's kind of set almost in real time on a Thanksgiving day where the black sheep in the family, a uh, an addict, uh, comes home. Uh, to see the son that she gave up years ago to be raised by her sister. And yeah, I know you maybe were not totally on board with this movie. I think it's worth seeing because I think it's an interesting, yeah. I also thought interesting it was worth movie. It. Uh, and I think Cresha Fairchild is fantastic. Yeah, she's it. very, very good. She actually is a character actress who has worked a fair amount over the last 30 years. I think she's based in Texas. So maybe like things that have been shot in Austin or, or Dallas that she's worked in. Um, and there's a, another recognizable actor who plays, uh, the brother-in-law, uh, Bill, what's his name? Bill Wise, who's in a lot of Richard Linklater movies, but the rest are all kind of amateur actors. Um, apparently it's based on, on somebody from their life, but then there's other things that are heavily fictionalized in it as well. But then there's other things like the grandmother in this movie is his actual grandmother who does really have Alzheimer's. She did not know she was in a movie. And so she really was invited home to have this Thanksgiving dinner with everyone. And so like all of her interactions with Cresha, where she doesn't like quite recognize her and everything are, are all the real reactions by by this grandmother with alzheimer's is that uh, how do i feel about that i don't know i don't love that i think that's strange i don't know that's is that fair to do to her i don't know if it is or not also like there's that whole scene where they're all fighting and if she didn't know it was fake I actually, once I knew that, I actually looked to see if she's in those scenes, and I don't think she is. No, she is at one point, isn't she? No, maybe you're right. I think it's the magic of editing that makes you think that she is. Okay. I think there's no way they would have put her through that stress, right? I need to watch that scene again to make sure. (laughs) (laughs) That's, yeah, I don't know. That's strange. So, I, my family is not like this. Uh, by the way, but I think it does capture like a certain like Thanksgiving vibe, maybe that's kind of specific to Texas, uh, particularly because there's also like a lot of like young men in the house who are like wrestling each other and like watching football and reacting to it. It's almost shot like a horror movie, particularly like the first half hour. Like <laughs> the music is really stressful. Like yeah. there's long takes 
of kind of like fluid camera where you're just kind of like following her around the house and everything. Uh, I feel like it maybe never gets better than the opening scene, which is like a 10 minute take of her just like getting out of her car. Yeah. She's like cursing to herself. She goes to the wrong house first. Mm-hmm. She comes in and kind of awkwardly hugs everybody that she hasn't seen in years. I mean, she's, she's fantastic. And that scene is very well shot. I, I agree. This does remind me of my family. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you just come from a bigger family. There's lots of cousins. You know, everybody kind of lives in the same area. My family are very spread out all throughout the country. There's cousins that I have not seen in literally decades. Yeah. You know, but when you go home to Kentucky, uh, if there's a family gathering, whether it's centered around a holiday or an event or, or whatever, I mean, there's tons of people. There. Yeah, I mean, it's just yeah. overflowing with relatives. So mm-hmm. it does kind of capture that that feeling. Also, it, I thought it did a great job of capturing kind of the downtime of those things, too. There's a lot of boredom, right? Yeah, where you're like kind of, yeah, like some people are watching TV, some are playing games, others are outside smoking, and it's just kind of like, well, what are we supposed to do until we eat? <laughs> yeah. I thought that was really specific and totally real. Because <laughs> it feels like when you see a Thanksgiving dinner normally, it's like it's very formal. Like people enter, they're greeted, yeah. and then everybody sits down and has the formal dinner. But the idea of like just hanging out at the fucking house all yeah, day with Yeah, or like hanging to- out at the counter, just like standing there talking to each other. Awkward small talk. Yeah, sitting on the porch and being like, so, so what have you been up to? A person that I'm related to but don't really like. <laughs> 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 or like don't really know even, you know. It feels like this is part of a a nice run of movies in recent years with middle-aged female protagonists, mm-hmm. you know, who are struggling with something, yeah. you know. There was Diane uh that movie with Yeah. What's her face? Uh, Mary Kay. Mary Kay Place and Gloria Bell with Julianne Moore. There's a movie with Karen Allen where she's the postmaster of a small rural town in Pennsylvania. How have I not seen that? Uh, I think it would be up your alley. I, I love Diane and Gloria Bell. Yeah. And so th- this movie is kind of in that genre as I well. I think I would have loved this movie. Continue and I'll tell you why at the end. <laughs> I didn't. I admired this movie. Well, that's part of the reason why I recommended it. I had seen it uh, a few years ago and didn't totally love it, but thought it was interesting. But knowing that you like movies that center around this kind of protagonist, mm-hmm. but also movies about addicts are really difficult. Mm-hmm. And it feels like the writer-director was determined that it kind of goes out on a dark note. And I, I think you and I would probably prefer uh, a more hopeful note or even a quieter note (laughs) yeah you know it doesn't have to be like she's you know reunited with her son or whatever but just something like where she gets her head together for a second and sits on the porch and smokes a cigarette even (laughs) right you know it doesn't have to have a fake sentimental ending right you know and there's no way that she could repair all the Injuries, you know, she's caused to her family mm-hmm. in this one Thanksgiving afternoon, right? Right. But it, it, it ends bleak. Yeah. I think. And kind of repetitive even. Yeah. Especially like the last half hour as she starts like drinking more, taking more pills and everything. I mean, the effect of like being in the head of somebody who's fucked up is like pretty well handled yeah. in All it. of it's well done. I don't know. Can we skip to the end and talk about sure. it? Sure. 
I'm, we're spoiling this, by the way, big time. But she starts drinking and doing pills and, like, has this breakdown in front of her family, basically. And then there's this great scene with her sister where her sister's, like, almost talking to her while she's sobering up, right? Yeah. And the sister's like, you know, I went to bat for you and I told nobody wanted you here, but I said you'd be okay. It's just this really lovely, realistic scene, I thought. And played by her real sister. Played by her real sister. And and you can tell that Kreisha is sobering up a little bit and like it's affecting her. And then all of a sudden she just like goes crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and we basically see the same scene we just saw ten minutes before where she's screaming in front of the family. So there's no growth. Right. Which maybe is a more realistic take on an addict. For sure. But I do think like have that scene. Here's how to do it. Have that scene with the sister and then she can still be drinking and doing drugs or whatever. But like give us a moment where she realizes what's going on as yeah. opposed to ending on a moment where she's so fucked up like she's just losing her mind. I don't know. That's I totally agree. My opinion. Uh, Carla, I totally agree. I'm going to make a noise with the chair. Sorry. <laughs> we have a very noisy chair. We have a squeaky chair that I try to swap out when we record. Carla uh, prefers to sit it, and uh, she's much better at not squirming than I am. Yes. I make tons of noise <laughs> when I sit in that chair. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't necessarily can't get in the head of uh, the director, but it feels like a little bit of like if this is a film festival calling card, you know, that's maybe maybe that plays better at film festivals. If he's right. Like, I mean, it feels like an independent film choice. <laughs> I mean, th- there's definitely some, you can see some PTA influence, right? Yeah. You know, a lot of it, like particularly some of those long takes feel like Punch Drunk Love yeah. uh, a little bit. And then there's like some quick like pans and push-ins that yeah. feel very PTA. To PTA, me. Parent Teacher Association. That's right, Carla. <laughs> Just a few quotes to get to. Um, when you see all of her pills, Carla said, look at all those meds. That's me right now. <laughs> I got you a pill box for your pills. Yeah. Uh, which is a thing you do in your 40s. Um, <laughs> am all the I young- in my 40s or am I at my 40s? Sure. Whatever whatever preposition you want to use, Carla. I feel like I'm just at it. When you see all the guys celebrating football, Carla said, fuck those guys. <laughs> Here's Carla and Cretia. That's how I'm going to look when I'm old. She's 35. <laughs> <laughs> There's a very explicit shot of taking out the gizzard of the turkey. Uh, Carla said, gross. Nobody wants to see that. There's a, a really funny scene where one of the other brothers-in-law, like, she's kind of watching him, and he, like, uh, does out of nowhere, like, some martial arts yes. moves. And Carla said, oh, I'd be so embarrassed if I looked up and saw her watching me. That's almost as bad as masturbating. <laughs> uh, and then later, his wife has, like, an offhand line to him where she's like, go do your karate, dad, or whatever, <laughs> which is, it's pretty funny. Like, everything. You know, everything about this movie is, it's in the right place for it to be really good. I think yeah. it just doesn't quite pull it out. It doesn't stick the landing. Did I say that right? <laughs> yeah. When she's slamming wine, Carly said, yikes. I mean, I like wine too. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Carly said, she looks cuckoo. Thanksgiving's about to go to hell. <laughs> 
They're list, they listen to a lot of Nina Simone in this. Carla said, we should listen to more Nina Simone. That documentary about her really freaked me out, but I can get past it. <laughs> and then just like Home for the Holidays, there's a big turkey dropping scene. Yeah. Uh, which we won't spoil exactly how it happens, but it's it's, it's very stressful. Gut-wrenching. Very stressful. Carla said, oh my God, what a fucking idiot. <laughs> And I said, does this make you want to see your family for Thanksgiving? And you said, no, it makes me grateful for COVID. <laughs> I said that? That's awful. <laughs> that was a joke, everyone. I don't even remember saying that. There's one really creepy scene where she's like nodding off and she's like having a dream, but it doesn't quite register as a dream. And somebody grabs her face. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Carla said, oh, shit, I thought someone was doing that to me as I was nodding off. <laughs> <laughs> I think I took some gummies. And then here's Carla's final take on the bummer ending. Nice Thanksgiving movie, Craig. You don't get to pick any more holiday movies. <laughs> I felt like it was a good palate cleanser between the other two movies, which are more comedies. I I do like that scene between her and her son as well. And when she's like trying to talk to him and he's just sitting there and he's just like not interested. I thought that was really realistic. Yeah. I felt very bad for her. Yeah. So... I think the bottom line is if you, you know, if you're used to watching, you know, independent movies, which are kind of a mixed bag with uh, some non-professional actors in it and maybe a bleak ending, you know, if you can handle that kind of movie, I think Cretia is worth seeing. It's really interesting. I I would recommend it. Cool. Well, let's move on to our final Thanksgiving movie, Carla. And this is John Hughes' 1987 classic, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Yep. Which we just watched in April. <laughs> yeah. Why did we watch it then? Because we were just... We were kind of like in a run of 80s movies in the early days of the pandemic, right? We were just freaking out. We were like, let's watch all the stuff that makes us feel normal. (laughs) (laughs) So we watched it. Yeah. And I don't really have a history with this movie. I do. I've seen this movie well over 30 times, I'm sure. 30 times. Wow. I'm sure. Was this a tradition in your family? Yeah, but it wasn't like a holiday tradition. I just remember we watched it a lot. Like, we watched it any time of the year. I think I'm discovering that a lot of the movies that came out while I was in college, which this would be one, um, that people have watched over and over, like, just weren't on my radar then. I think I watched it on VHS maybe the year after it came out, enjoyed it, Never thought about it again. Remember the broad <laughs> strokes of it. But this is not like a movie where I've memorized all the dialogue or, or anything. And so, yeah, I think earlier this year was the second time I'd seen it. And now I've seen it three times. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a family movie. Everybody in the family would want to watch it. And th- those were kind of few and far between. So this is John Hughes coming off of a run of Breakfast Club, Sixteen Candles, Pretty in Pink. Some kind of wonderful, like all these Teens. high school high school movies. Yeah, uh, and this is a movie that's a little more about adults, right? So Steve Martin is in marketing. He's based in Chicago burbs, but he's taking a meeting in New York. Yep, and he's trying to get a flight. He's trying to get the six o'clock flight to O'Hare uh, during a snowstorm in New York. Um, somebody first, he runs for a cab. 
Uh, Kevin Bacon gets it, <laughs> playing himself. Uh, By the way, if you're not following Kevin Bacon on Instagram, you're missing out on some truly delightful stuff. I don't know if I've said that on the podcast yet. I think you might have when we covered <laughs> Stir of Echoes. <laughs> <laughs> but it bears repeating. All right. You love Kevin Bacon on social media. I love I, him in general. I get it. He worked with John Hughes the following year with She's Having a Baby, which I've never seen. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen that in years. And I guess there's a John Candy cameo and She's Having a Baby as well. So it was oh. kind of like they were returning the favor to That's each other. That's cool. Uh, but Steve Martin plays Neil. And then his cab gets stolen by uh, a guy named Dell, played by John Candy, wonderfully. And they just keep running into each other and end up kind of uh, going on planes, trains, and automobiles together. Yeah. In this roundabout trip to get Neil back to Chicago for, for Thanksgiving with his with his family. Um, what are your what are your overall feelings on planes, trains, and automobiles? I love it. It's a great movie. I think it's nearly perfect. Meaning, I don't know that there's anything I do differently. There's some stuff that feels a little broad to me. I yeah, think. but I guess because it's John Candy and Steve Martin, generally it works for me. They make everything work. Yeah. Right? And their chemistry is so strong. Oh, it's a good movie. I really think that John Candy might be the best comic actor ever. Yeah. And... Are you going to cry? <laughs> well, he's dearly missed. Like, yeah. uh, I mean, think of all the things he could have done since then. And he was starting to branch out with more kind of serious stuff. Like yeah. he was in JFK, mm-hmm. you know, Oliver Stone's JFK, not long before he died. Uh, and he was probably the first celebrity passing where I was... Really affected? Yeah, I think I did cry. I think my whole family was really upset. Yeah. I mean, he's beloved for a reason, yeah. right? He just has a unique ability to be like as big as possible while remaining completely grounded. I think he's just ultimately um, such a sympathetic, um, relatable. I mean, I guess we use that term a lot, but I think everybody sees themselves in John Candy. <laughs> you know, it doesn't take much to get on his side. And the character is kind of obnoxious. Yeah. Right? But we love him. You love him. You we love him because it. it's John Candy. And even Steve Martin uh, can't help but fall in love with him over the course of the movie. I will too. say that those scenes where Steve Martin kind of comes around aren't if, – if it had been any other actor, you would have been like, why are you forgiving this guy? Like there's really very little that happens that make – in plot-wise or in the script to make Steve Martin forgive him. And I think it's just purely John Candy's – like spirit, <laughs> like his sweetness yeah. that Steve Martin's character is like, ah, this guy. <laughs> well, the contrast between their personas is so great. Yeah. Uh, but also I just think, and like you said, this is what forgives like the more Looney Tunes stuff that's in it. I mean, the car wreck that they survive is ridiculous, it's right? It's bonkers, but it's really funny. It's, I mean, as a action comic set piece, like yeah. that's as good as it gets. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but they're they're both just so grounded and believable. Yeah. 
even when they pull their fingers off the dashboard. Yeah, I think that's the thing that I'm thinking of. It's of like so bonkers. Cutting to them as skeletons. Yeah. I mean, I know like the John Candy is the devil is like that's a obvious like fantasy cutaway, right. you know. But John Hughes definitely took some risks in terms of like the. But that was kind of standard. Standard in the 80s, wasn't it? Maybe. I mean, you look at the vacation movies and there's stuff that's similar. Yeah. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying it doesn't bug me, maybe. It is bonkers. You're right. But I mean, I think me. those are, the, it's, it's not my favorite type of comedy. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> but it works for you because? Because they're believable. Yeah. Uh, and they don't, they don't mug. You know, no. I guess that's what I'm saying about John Candy is, like we think of them as kind of a larger than life uh figure uh and he certainly is in stature but in terms of acting style like he is totally a person like yeah. a real person that you might see you know and i feel like everybody also kind of has that person in their life who's kind of annoying but you also got to love yeah you know am i that person carla <laughs> <laughs> you are my doll close <laughs> oh um, <laughs> misogynistic <laughs> just kidding they do successfully get a plane uh, and Steve Martin's supposed to have a first class ticket and the stewardess the flight attendant really tells him off right yeah and Carla said can you imagine a stewardess talking to someone like that I need to stop saying stewardess you just corrected yourself and said flight attendant I've been corrected well, this is 1987. So back then. I know, but I've been corrected by other people. Yeah. When I've said stewardess and they're like, no, it's a flight attendant. That's an old fashioned term. I need yeah. to like really, I need to get it together. And then Dell takes off his shoes on the flight. So he's that guy, which is, it's about the worst thing you can do on a plane. It is. Right? It truly is. If for some reason, I can't imagine any of Craig's listeners are the kind of people who would take their shoes off on a, on a flight. <laughs> But if you happen to be, and for some reason you're not privy to the fact that it's the grossest thing that a human being could possibly do, yeah, please reconsider next time. Well, here's the thing: I've taken my shoes off, <laughs> but 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 like I very discreetly did it and then put my feet right on top of my shoes on the ground. Are you talking about your bare feet? Or no, 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 no. You so you have socks or hose on. I don't wear hose. Tights. I don't wear tights. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm wearing tights right now. <laughs> no, with socks. Yeah. Like, I'll slip my shoes off, but then I'll put my feet right on top of my shoes so I can put it back on quickly if anyone notice. Oh, I think socks are okay. I'm talking – I've seen multiple – it's always dudes – Multiple yeah. dudes, like, just like he does in the movie, in their fucking bare feet and then, like – uh, so gross. I can't. T- let's not. This and the teeth picking thing is making me sick. <laughs> anyway, when he says my dogs are barking, Carla said, so gross, I would vomit. Would you? <laughs> <laughs> and here's Carla's COVID times take. God, I can't imagine ever getting on a plane again. I don't know what we're going to do. It's going to be so weird when we're able to do stuff again. <laughs> are we ever going to be able to do stuff again in the same way? Yes. Yeah. In like five years. Sooner than that. Am I depressing you? Within two years. That's not really why we're doing this episode. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to talk about it. I know, baby. I know you do. But uh, off mic. That's another thing to cover off mic. (laughs) (laughs) And then when John Candy's clearing his throat, uh, Carla said, so gross, I can't take it. 
Uh, and then we have the famous those aren't pillows scene. Yeah. Uh, Carly said, that's my dad's favorite joke in this whole thing. Yeah. And then you said, homophobic jokes. Yeah. Is it, though? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's a gay panic joke. Right. That's what it is. I mean, uh, so much of the they have to stay in the same hotel room, the subtext is gay panic. Right. No, you're right. And I feel like that would not be covered in the same way or at all now. Yeah. Which is good. And But it's done in a light way, but I almost think that makes it more insidious. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The problem isn't that it's not funny. The problem is that it is funny. Right. 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 It's it's well written. It's well played. It's a great comic moment. But the subtext is like, it's not good to sleep in a bed with another man. Yeah. You know, or to have your hands between another man's butt cheeks. Okay. So let's remove the gay panic idea for a second, which I totally agree with you. It is still a really funny visual. <laughs> hey, I'm saying it's a funny scene. <laughs> and and to think about sticking your hand in someone's butt cheeks that you don't know is is funny, like man or woman. I agree with you it's a gay panic joke. <laughs> but it's it's funny because of multiple levels. Yeah. Uh am I wrong in saying that? No. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm just saying it's, it's just the difference between comedy in 1987 versus yes. 2020. We've talked about it with friends as well, yeah. with Chandler and, and friends. Like it's stuff that it's just, you wouldn't do that joke. Now. But a lot of those jokes aren't funny anymore. Yeah. But this is, this still works. This still works for me. As comedy. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I need to rethink that. Him holding up, uh, Dell's giant undies, uh, as well. <laughs> It's like a really memorable image. Uh, there's a brief appearance by Dylan Baker, a young Dylan Baker. So good. In this. I love Dylan Baker. He's such a good actor. He's great in everything. Yeah. Maybe we'll have to cover happiness at some point. I would love to. I mean, that's not going to be an easy one to talk about. I think, well, will you censor me like you've been censoring me on this podcast? <laughs> I have not been censoring you at all. You told me not to talk about COVID. <laughs> You can talk about COVID as much as you, you want. You said to. off mic. I was here. Don't gaslight me. Okay. <laughs> All right. So off mic, we're going to talk about Dylan McDermott's food in his teeth. We're going to talk about COVID. We'll talk about happiness. Um, and when Dylan Baker appeared, Carla said, "It's what's his fuck." <laughs> <laughs> it occurred to me that it, it's. The trope of John Hughes is that the suburbs are the place of comfort and the city and the rural areas are scary and ah, populated by weirdos. That's really interesting. Uh, everybody is obnoxious or like threatening in a city, which also has some maybe racial subtext to it. You yeah. know, think of when they drive through East St. Yeah. Louis and vacation. Yeah, like yeah. that's not, that's not good. Right. But then, like, the Dylan Baker character in this of just, like, all the rural people are hicks and, are, and like, Cousin Eddie in Vacation yeah. as well. Like, that's a John Hughes trope. You just want to get to your giant house in, in the, the Chicago suburbs, suburbs yeah. full of white people <laughs> where, where you can be safe. Where um, Joe Pesci can rob you. Well, yeah. <laughs> The wet, the wet bandits are there in the suburbs, but they're. But a ten-year-old boy. A ten-year-old boy can defeat them. Keep them away with ease. Getting rerouted to Wichita is not good when you're trying to get to Chicago. That's about ten hours from Chicago. Oh no! But apparently, that's what 
that's what happened to John Hughes. He like he re- literally had a flight from New York to Chicago. Snowstorm happened. He was rerouted to Wichita. Wow. Um, this movie does play on that primal fear of trying to get somewhere and not being able to get there. Like people have, I have nightmares about that stuff. I'm willing to bet that the 20 most stressful days of our relationship have all been travel days for us. I bet you're right. So this covers like, this covers that so well of the feeling like I, everything that happens, I'm screwed, which is why the fuck scene. Yeah. It's such a relief. As like the final straw of like, he gets dropped off at this remote rental car lot. Uh, the car is not there. He's got to walk back in the fucking snow. Yeah. And then he just unloads on this poor lady. Do you remember the time? I don't remember where we were. I think we were coming back from New York and we just had such a long flight. I think it was delayed and it was really busy at LAX and we waited for a bus to get to the parking lot for almost shuttle an, bus. Yeah. Almost an hour. Yeah. And at, and every bus that came by was just packed and we couldn't get on. And finally a bus came and I said, we're going. And I pushed my way on before the people who were trying to get off could yep. get off. Mm-hmm. And the bus driver yelled at me. Oh, it was horrifying. And then Carla had a Steve Martin moment with the bus driver. I, I freaked out. I was in the wrong a hundred percent, like a thousand percent. And the bus driver just looked at Carla and said, you're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> but we got on the bus. We did. We got on the bus. We got back to our car. I looked like the crazy white lady. Like if somebody had been, if somebody had been taping that, I would have been fired. This was pre Karen. <laughs> this was maybe influential on Karen's to come. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so horrified that I did that. But that's what travel does to people. Yeah, I like. I snapped. I felt out of my body. I couldn't function. Like, it's not a great excuse, but that's the truth. But it's something we've all been through. And so the idea of like taking that, that holiday stri- and that's why Thanksgiving weekend is the worst weekend for travel. Oh, yeah. Right? Because we never it, do it. It's more compressed than Christmas is. Christmas is bad is too, but Thanksgiving, it's like typically you fly on Wednesday and Sunday, right? Right. right. So like th- those are the worst days of the year. I think this movie just captures that perfectly. I agree. Um, By the way, I've never behaved that way again because I learned my lesson. I felt so bad. Right? I've never seen you worse than that. (laughs) (laughs) And I guess for John Hughes, it was worth it, worth it to get an R rating to be able to have that scene where he says, fuck. 18 times in one minute or or whatever it is. Because there's really no bad language in most of the rest of the movie. Yeah. And it's somewhat out of character for Steve Martin, but that was one of the selling points of why he wanted to do this movie was that scene. Mm -hmm. You know? It's so good. Do you also remember that trip? (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) To Ireland. And you had a fever and you had the flu, but you were the only one who could drive on the opposite side of the road and we were supposed to drive around ring of Kerry that day. Mm-hmm. And so we did. Yeah. And you were so sick. We had to keep pulling over. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got to the hotel that night and you lost your mind. You snapped. Really? Yeah. Don't you remember? No. I was holding a parking space for you out front and you couldn't get into it. 
Oh. He just started screaming. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but I was being really mean to you. Because <laughs> I was really mad that you couldn't get the fucking car into the spot and we just wanted to go to the hotel. Oh, God. I mean, it's the worst. I'm saying those are the worst days in our lives. <laughs> What's another one? Oh, no. There has to be more. That's one for each of us. That's good enough. <laughs> We're even. We're dead even. That second one was kind of me too, though. <laughs> um, the soundtrack also, I don't love this, the score for this movie. It feels very 80s to me. Yeah, but yes. Yes, and I like that, though. <laughs> in, I, in a nostalgic way? In a nostalgic way, yeah. Like there's a lot of like cheap like Casio-sounding keyboard. Yeah, and like synthesizing sound. Yeah, right? and DJ scratching and stuff like that. Right. I love that, though. I think that's so iconic for this movie. Uh, this, I think, is Dell annoying uh, Neil in the car. This is how I feel when you're opening snacks when I'm reading or watching something. <laughs> <laughs> I just generally make a lot more noise than Carla does. <laughs> uh I mean, that whole you play with your balls a lot scene is, <laughs> is so funny. And then it's just a tour de force, that comic set piece of Steve Martin is sleeping in the car. John Candy's coat gets caught on various like apparatus in the in the seat. Yeah. And he catches the backseat on fire. Like in terms of just like comedic heightening. And I guess he, technically he could pull over at any point, right? But yeah. he just keeps going and he ends up going the wrong way. And that whole wrong way scene is With just. With the other car. Oh, it's so, it's so great when he's like making like, uh, signals like, oh, they're drinking, they're drunk. Yes. You know, that's, it's so great. Uh. And then when the car catches on fire, I think I said, that's ridiculous. And Carla said, that's ridiculous. <laughs> that's the one thing that actually makes sense in that sequence in real life. <laughs> I guess so. I guess you're right. But then the fact that they drive the fucking smoldering car back to, back to the hotel. They're desperate. It's so good. When they get pulled over by Michael McKeon as the state trooper, Carla said, these guys can't catch a break. I mean, that's the whole premise of the movie, I suppose. <laughs> And then they're going 78. Carlos said, 78's not that fast. It's not. I think, I think this might have been when 55 was still the limit everywhere. Mm. Weird. Uh, because I, I remember when places first started going up to 65 and like that was a, that was a big deal. Uh, Carlos said, I miss Chicago when they're going around the mm -hmm. L at the end. And I, yeah. I kind of had that thing too, you know. I, I was on that train so many times, looping around, yeah. looping around the loop. Yep, is what they call it. And then the Kaiser Soze moment of the movie, <laughs> when he realizes that Neil's wife is uh, is no longer with us, and that Neil is all alone for the holidays, and he decides to uh, to Del, invite him. right? Dell, yeah. Uh, Neil decides to divide to divide. And then invite Dell to, to his house for Thanksgiving. Carla said, Oh, it's so sweet. It is. And then he's helping him carry his trunk. Yeah. That giant steamer trunk that he's had for the whole movie. So sweet. 
Uh, and at the end of the movie, I said, do you think he lives with them now? And Carlos said, yep, he's the weird uncle who lives in the guest bedroom. And then you changed it to goofy uncle. Weird implies something else. <laughs> Carla, you want to give these movies some letter grades? Sure. Home for the Holidays, B. I give it a B as well. Interesting. Cresha. B minus. I also will give it a B minus. Great. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. A plus. A minus for me. Okay. We're pretty consistent there. Yeah. It's not my favorite movie, but it's... I wouldn't argue if you were to put it into my top 10. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not putting anything in your top 10. That's all up to you. Uh, You want to do a little khaki theater? Sure. Well, we didn't get to have any guests for... Thanksgiving this year. It was because just, of COVID. It was because of COVID. Do you think things will ever be which the we same? Which can, we can talk about now. Uh, so uh, what if what if all the characters from these movies were our guests for uh, for Thanksgiving? I wasn't being a total Karen, by the way. What? The bus. <laughs> <laughs> like that implies some sort of racial <laughs> weirdness. Possibly, yeah. I was just being a, a spoiled jerk. But I, I think Karen is also like referred to as like uh, I need to see the manager energy. Yeah, that's then I was there. I, I'd say there's often a racial subtext with it, but not always with Karens. Yeah. I did have that energy of I need to see a manager. Great. So should uh, we talk about this off mic? So Karen and I, I'm sorry, Carla and I are <laughs> are getting ready for Thanksgiving dinner and uh and some characters from these movies might be coming over. Okay, I'm going to get the uh, I'm going to get the stuffing in the oven. Um I uh I undid I <laughs> What? What? What, Carla? I opened the can of cranberry sauce. Okay. And it's still in the shape of the can. Okay. That's all right. That's how that works. That ha- okay. That's how that works. Um, Did you invite Karen? Yeah. Karen is coming. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. Don't worry. We'll, uh, we'll keep her outside as, as much as we can. Um, but, uh, my aunt Cresha is coming. Oh no. Yeah. So that might be a thing. Why would you invite Cresha? Well, I don't know. I feel guilty. Like she hasn't been in the family for, for every so time long. she comes over, she goes through our medicine cabinet and we don't have anything but NyQuil <laughs> and Tylenol, but it's all gone by the time she leaves. Well, I don't know if she'll get any wine because you're drinking a lot of wine right I now. I mean, this is my bottle. Okay. And then my uncle Neil is coming as well with his family, which we expected, but he's also bringing an, some guy that he met on the road. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That sounds exciting. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's a gay thing. All right. Enough with the gay panic jokes. Okay. No, I'm not saying that. Stop joking about it's, it. It's 2020. <laughs> uh, so that he's bringing this guy Dell over. So in 2020, we don't talk about being gay, according to you, right? <laughs> Look, I know what year it we is. We have family members who are gay, but we don't talk about it with them. Yes. Because we don't want to mishandle it like you would in the 90s. Okay. And then also, you know, <laughs> also your cousin, uh, uh, Robert Downey Jr. is coming over. <laughs> okay. He's gay. Yes. He's fine with talking about it, though. Okay. If it comes up naturally. And is he Don't bringing, bring it up out of the blue. Is he bringing his husband? Uh, no. He's just going to call him. Okay. Good. Good. Uh, I mean, because he's welcome if he wanted to. Of course he's welcome. I invited him. I like him. I like his husband. I've only met him once. 
over Zoom. Okay, but he usually brings a friend over who seems like they're gay, but they end up being straight. Yes, that's what happened the past few years. <laughs> okay. And I've fallen in love with two of those guys. But yes. don't worry, I've always fallen out of love. There's so much sexual tension. You have something in your teeth. What? I'm not getting it. I'm not picking it out for you. Okay. I'm going to... Let me take off my shoes because my dogs I'm are... Gonna, I'm about to vomit. My dogs vomit. are barking. I'm vomiting. <laughs> okay. Stop vomiting. Oh, Aunt Gladys at the door. Hello? Hey, Aunt Gladys. You're, you're about four hours early. Hi, Craig. Uh, Carla, this is my Aunt Gladys. She's 51, but she reads as 91. <laughs> Craig and I, when I was a young girl, kissed. <laughs> okay. Oh, we man. We danced around the living room. We did a, a, a <laughs> cuckoo kachoo shuffle. <laughs> okay, great. Oh, and, and Cretia's here. Cretia's here as well. Cretia, this is Aunt Gladdy. Aunt uh, Glad- God damn it. I'm sorry I'm late. Damn it. Okay, dogs, dogs. Get away from Cretia. <laughs> get, get away from Cretia. <laughs> It's fine. I like dogs. Oh, why? Uh, hey, hey, guys. Uh, I, I know I'm, uh, I'm uh, bit early, but uh, I just got uh, got dropped off here. Uh, who who, who the are he- you? Who the hell are you? I'm uh, I'm Del. Uh, your uh, your your uncle Neil said he was uh... Del. When I look into your eyes, I can tell that your wife is dead. What? <laughs> Okay, cool. We'll go out on that. Wow. <laughs> that a- was a lot of planning for an improv scene. That was a lot of talking about. Well, that's the thing you're not supposed to do, right? Talking about the future. That's what I've been told. Okay. Well, I guess I better get back into a class. <laughs> <laughs> Carla, those were our Thanksgiving movies. That Karen was our- didn't make it. <laughs> yeah, Karen didn't make it. So if uh, if you're wondering who the Karen is, it's probably you. <laughs> Are you talking to the listeners? <laughs> the Karen inside. Uh, Carla, that was our Thanksgiving episode. Happy Thanksgiving, Craig. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Carla. And happy Thanksgiving to all our Craig's listeners out there. We love you. We do love you. And we love each other. And we love each other. Don't pay attention to my fuck-laden intro. <laughs> uh, we're deeper in love than we ever have been. But seriously, and I'm just going to be serious for a second. Okay. Uh, Thanksgiving is weird gen- in general. <laughs> and weirder than usual this year. And weirder than usual. And, you know, it's a strange holiday built on a <laughs> strange premise of stealing and killing. But I will say that I'm very grateful this year. Like, probably more grateful. I really understand that part of it now. Well, it is the kind of year where you appreciate the things that you do have and the things that are important yeah. in your lives. And I've really been thinking about that. And one of those things that I'm grateful for is you. And I'm grateful for you. And I'm grateful that people listen to this podcast. So thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. And maybe we'll maybe you'll hear from us again before the year is up. You will. You're, we're definitely doing holiday movies. Okay. <laughs> well, there's a lot more to pick from than there is for Thanksgiving. So uh, enjoy the rest of your holiday, and we'll we'll talk to you soon. The list is an absolute good. The list is life. <laughs> <laughs>